Welcome back to Overdue. I'm Mrs. Watts, your Annex librarian. And I'm Coach Hill, your main building librarian. In today's episode, we talk about some real stuff. So I, once again, had a nonfiction title. I don't know what's going on. Back but to back. Back to back. I'm definitely switching gears for the next one, but we're not th- we're not ready to talk about that yet. Um, so I had the book Hooked, How Crafting Saved My Life by Sutton Foster. I don't really know. She's an actress. I don't really know anything about her. I haven't seen much with her in it, but just something about the cover. And as you alluded to on our Sorry, Sutton. last episode, uh, you know, that I... I'm trying to craft a little. So maybe that's what drew me to it. I don't know. Does, a, does quilting have um, like belts like karate? No. Where you can work your oh way up the goodness. ladder. No, it doesn't. That'd be pretty cool though. What belt you would you have to be make on? your own? You have to quilt your there own. There you go. Yes. Um, no. So Sutton Foster, this book is just about her life. So um, growing up, her parents were married, but they didn't have a great relationship. Her mom had a lot of social anxiety that kept them just away from really forming relationships and friendships with people outside their home. And so it was her and her brother growing up um, with her mom having such anxiety. It's ironic because her mom is the one that got her into plays and acting like just there goes some of our equipment. That was, yeah, just a A spring spring on our boom. (laughs) Caught that sound. Um. So her mom is the one that, like, signed them up for their first plays and performances, uh, even though she had this tremendous amount of anxiety that would follow them throughout their lives. And so um, it was really cool that their mom was the spark in in that both she and her brother went to Broadway, did multiple shows, and just – I I mean, they ended up having a a true career in – film and acting. So it was incredible. But the book is about how um, Sutton just had this pain and and angst from those strained relationships and uh, doesn't know what to do with it, like doesn't know how to work through it and eventually picks up a craft and, and starts crafting. And that's kind of where all her nervous energy, all her, all of those feelings go into what she's working on with her hands. And so she does that between uh, scenes when she's on set and and different things. So every craft kind of tells a different stage of her life and how she deals with her mother and then her her relationships and then even to building up a family. So, so kind of like how some people journal. Yeah. She crafts. Yeah. And it was really, it was just really cool. Um, honestly, there's a, there's a chunk in the back of the book that talks about how they went through the process of writing this. And so um, I have a lot of respect for her her like editor and publisher, it seems like they played a big role in how they wrote this and it was so well written. Um, I could definitely see our students loving it just from a band, a performance perspective. She's so real about the trying to make it in that industry. And then just the fun of it too. It was, it was a great book. Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. Probably one of the best nonfiction books I've read. Um, good recently. So highly recommend. I do think there are some things that our students couldn't relate to in terms of later on in life. Sure. But it was like two chapters out of the whole book. Yeah. And it was I would I would just love for one of our students to pick it up. So cool. I'm anxious to hear about yours. Yeah, so I had said last time so before this book I had read like a little fun little 
YA mystery thriller. Yes. Um, and then I had said, maybe I'm going to kick myself, but I kind of just want to read something heavy. And man, did I read something heavy. Yeah. Um, I read Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. Um, it's a historical fiction novel. So it's it's fake characters, and but it centered around the true events of the Tennessee Children's Home Society, um, specifically the Memphis branch, um, which is or was an adoption home, mm-hmm. uh, an orphanage. Um, and they provided uh, babies or children exclusively to to rich people, actors, people with money. Um, and although although there certainly were some children that probably um, needed to be adopted and, and were uh, provided with new homes for the betterment of them, a lot of the children that were provided by the Tennessee Children's Home Society uh, were kidnapped. Um, some of them. So the, the example in the book is there's a group of children that they, they live on a riverboat. Um, and the book opens with the mom, um, going into labor and, and starting to have twins. Um, and so they have to get her. Normally they have just a, like a midwife come in and do it on the boat, but because it was twins, they had to go to the hospital and you find out that while at the hospital, the agency that ran this, um, essentially they, they, and this is one of the practices they did. They would take them papers and say, sign these papers so that we can uh, take care of your baby. But essentially what they were doing is they were signing over their children unknowingly. Oh my goodness. Um, and so this book, this book, I, I'm sorry, I'm just having a hard time talking about it because yes. it was very, it was a really well-written book. I'm really glad I read it. It was so hard to read um, just because of the emotions. Um but the book goes back and forth chapter by chapter from the 1930s with the oldest of the children that I was just talking about, Rill, and then present day with a woman named Avery. She's a DA in Baltimore um, and uh, the daughter of a uh, United States senator from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, ultimately, these two characters, there ends up being a connection between them, mm-hmm. um, which I won't really talk about. Um, but as I was reading, I was thankful for the chapters about Avery because they provided a 10 to 15 page break from reading about uh, the events in the thirties. Yes. Um, Man, that is so, it's even difficult to hear you talk about it. I mean, I can't imagine. And it's kind of like the historical fiction that you read that we talked about at the end of 2021. I think I can't remember the title, but just that it gives you a glimpse into these awful events and you hate that they happen, but you're so thankful someone wrote about it so that we can appreciate, you know, that we haven't experienced that, but also just like be aware and, and kind of, I don't know another word, but like aware of people who have endured this or experienced this or keep your eyes open so that it doesn't happen again. I mean, you You just think a lot about how you would even continue on with life if something were to happen to your own children. But one thing that this book does is it's not from the perspective of the two parents that had their children taken. It's from the perspective of the children. Wow. And what they endured. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Which makes me think. You know, there were children that were killed mm. in, in the Tennessee Children's Home Society. Um, obviously, you know, stripped away from, from their life and from their parents. And, wow. Um, it, was, it was very, I mean, I would, I would read a chapter 
about Rill or about those children. And then I would read the chapter about Avery. Um, and then I would have to stop mm-hmm. and put the book down and go do something for 10 minutes Yeah. before I could read about Rill again, because it was so heartbreaking and stomach turning. Um, and that was for about the middle 50 to 60% of the book. Wow. I mean, it was, it was just, again, I'm, I'm really glad that I read it. Um, but it was hard. To it read. was very, very hard to read. Not because of the language or because of the right. you know specific jargon or anything. Just that that happened. Just the content. So there's a lady in the book named Georgia Tan, and she's a she was a real person. She was kind of the mastermind, so to speak, of all of this. She was counseled by Eleanor Roosevelt for adoption policies. Wow. Um, you know, she was very well respected, um, and she uh, was in the pockets of family judges and police officers. And, um, she was just an, an evil woman, a, a greedy, entitled, um, evil woman. Mm -hmm. And I, I marked a page in here. It's a fake newspaper article that was written for the story, but it, um, it really talks about it so well. So I just, I'm going to read it if I can find it. Okay. It says, once heralded as the mother of modern adoption and consulted by the likes of Eleanor Roosevelt in efforts to reform adoption policies in the United States, Georgia Tan did, indeed, facilitate the adoptions of thousands of children from the 1920s through 1950. She also guided a network that, under her watch, allowed or intentionally caused the deaths of as many as 500 children and infants. Many of the children weren't orphans, said Mary Sykes, who, along with an infant sister, was stolen from the porch of her unmarried mother's home at only four years old and placed in the care of the Tennessee Children's Home Society. Many had loving parents who wanted to raise them. The children were often literally kidnapped in broad daylight, and no matter how birth parents tried to fight in court, they were not allowed to win. Mrs. Sykes would live for three years in a large white house operated by Georgia Tan and her network of helpers. Mary's infant sister, just six months old when a woman claiming to be a social services nurse took them from the family's porch, would live in the TCHS facility for only two months. The babies weren't given proper food or medical care, said Mrs. Sykes. I remember sitting on the floor in a room full of cribs, reaching through the bars and just patting my sister's arm. She was too weak and dehydrated to even cry. No one would help her. Once it was clear that she was too far gone to recover, A worker put her in a cardboard box and carried her away. I never saw her again. I heard later that if babies got too sick or cried too much, they'd set them in the sun in a carriage and leave them. I have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren now. I can't imagine how anyone could do those things to kids, but it happened. We were tied to beds and chairs. We were beaten, held under the bathwater. We were molested. It was a house of horrors. Over the course of three decades, children under the care of TCHS are reported to have disappeared in mass, their paperwork often vanishing along with them, leaving no record of their lives. If biological family members came looking for information or petitioned the courts, they were simply told that the children had been adopted and the records were sealed. Operating under the protection of Boss Crump, Memphis's notorious political kingpin, Georgia Tan's network was seemingly untouchable. So when you read the 
like acknowledgements at the end of the book. Um, it gives some information about some more reading about the Tennessee Children's Home Society. And I did a little bit of reading online. Um, and I found out that just down the road in Madison, uh, there at a, at a cemetery, I believe it's called Spring Hill, um, there's a memorial for these children. And I intend to go at uh, some point this summer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I'll do there or what I'll think, but I intend to go this summer. And I think that's all I have to say. Okay, so moving on to our next reading selections, I grabbed Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Booley. I might have pronounced that last name incorrectly. If so, I apologize. I probably should have looked that up. But uh, this is a book about Donis Fontaine, who is who lives in the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, she is half Native American, half White American. Um, she was a, she just graduated high school. Uh, she was a hockey star. Um, and this story is about the, uh, drug problems that run through Native American communities. Hmm. Um, and I think I'll leave it at that. I'm a decent waste in it already, but I think I'll leave it at that. Uh, just so that I have some some more to talk about um, next week. Yeah, uh, this is a YA novel for sure. It's it's unlike the one that I just read. It's it's definitely YA. Yes, um, I am shocked hearing you talk about it. So is it like a realistic fiction? Yes. It look the cover like screams fantasy. Well, to it's me. got like so some Native I'm American like, art on it. Yeah, just um, I guess we don't see that many. It's uh, a cool cover. It is really cool. It's really bright and vibrant. It is. Yeah, um, I'm just surprised. I've yeah, no, in my mind, you know, I kind of yeah assumed. But. I've got it labeled as a mystery for now, mm-hmm. um, and so far, I think that that's probably accurate. Okay. Um. So I I don't anticipate changing that well, after I finish reading. To hear more next time about yeah, what I'm the about mis- halfway through what the mystery or so. is. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, but it's good. What do you got? Um. So I chose something that so. Um, when I was in the middle school classroom, this was incredibly popular and we okay. actually have it here. I think a lot of our night, like our freshmen still enjoy it. It's called the selection. It is not a new book, but it did win a VSBA award. I think two or three years ago, um, by Kira Cass. And it's a, a like a dystopian, it's a competition, but several girls go in and there's one crown to win. And so I have not started it. I just picked it up this morning and it's kind there's of like that era of dystopian novels yes. that are all like, they were just so popular for a and I handful feel like of years there. And that sounds like it falls into that. Yes. I just kind of wanted something that was not nonfiction, sure. not super <laughs> heavy. Um, and so I'm anxious to see what the hype is about. Yeah. Because you know? it was very, very popular. Even now, it, it was on our book talk, uh, like a display. Uh-huh. So it still seems to be popular. Very well, cool. I'm anxious to see what it's about. Yeah. But 
Anyway, it's time for us to check out. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at BDP underscore library. Check out our YouTube channel, BDP library for book talks and vlogs. And now we have a TikTok. We do. Also at BDP underscore library. At BDP underscore library. And share us with a friend. Uh, Please check back with us every other Wednesday for the next episode of Overdue. Make time to read. Thanks for listening.